0: Uh, just yeah, produce or something. Good morning. Bless you. Bless you. Now, do you have a? Oh, you don't have a clock, so you're the clock. Oh, right there. Wow, this is so modern. It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I preached one week. I was in Myanmar. And I preached in a uh, this little place, a village. And uh, when I got there, the pastor said to me, uh, it was one of uh, a GraceWorks' place, he said, uh, and it was in a barn. And he said, um, uh, he looked to me, he said, see, see all the rice bags there and this potato bags there? He said, uh, don't worry because he said, sometimes uh, the snakes that are up there might fall down. They're baby pythons. <laughs> Uh, but they won't hurt you because they're Christian snakes. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. Like, I'm really filled with confidence. And so, I'm, you know, I'm preaching, I'm looking. And then, one actually, I actually saw one, like, and he's hanging over the side, you know, I just wasn't quite sure where all that was going to go. The following week, I was in Singapore uh, on my way home, and I was preaching in a church that were actually filming the service. And they had a, not a clock like this, they had a clock up the back. And with, in one minute of when I was supposed to finish, they have a big flash red light, starts <laughs> flashing and everything, we have all this. The people had no Bibles and I thought, what is going on here, no Bibles? But they all had electronic devices with uh, Greek lexicons in them, concordances. So you quote a verse, speak on the verse and they'd have all the answers. And they would correct you after. So that's the dichotomy of my ministry. Amen. So I feel comfortable here today. Bless you. I wanted just to share the first part about uh, the connection of uh, Hills and, and um, uh, the history of Grace Works a little bit. But before I do that, I, I just wanted to start my just sharing time here about miracles, about miracles. We live in a a realm where I work where we have to have miracles to survive because we would not get through if we didn't see God's hand working on us in miracles. And I want to challenge you this morning in that space of miracles. When Christians pray, we often just pray for a result. Lord, just fix this or do this. But I'm talking today about miracles and I want to share with you some miracles that have happened because of your investment into GraceWorks. But before I do, I just need to tell you that whatever you're facing today, whatever struggles that you have, your discouragements, God is in the business of miracles, when you saw our little fella this morning, he is a miracle. He grew up with a, with a mum that was prostituting, dealing in ice, and at two years old, he was in a very abusive situation. And we got him through a whole range of circumstances. In fact, 70 court cases within five years. We had to fight all the way till finally we got him and he's totally ours. And we believed that God had his hand on him Right at that early stage. And I want to encourage you in this, that now now that we've invested in him and poured our life into him, his goal now is to do what he did this morning. When we were in Myanmar, when we came back, we you know, I said to him, So what do what do, what do you really want to do? He said, Poppy I want to be like you. I want to save all the poor people in the world. Miracle. Your children that you have today, I want you to begin today to pray for miracles for your children. There's so much potential outside here, just in there when I just walked through before all the children. When I was a little boy, my grandma used to sit me on her knee and she used to sing to me this hymn, tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart. Every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And as she would sing, she would write on my heart Tell me the story of Jesus. Grandparents, invest in your grandchildren. Parents, invest in your children. Because if we don't, the devil gets them for free. The devil gets them for free. And they are our hope. And just like you know our little fella, that's a miracle. But I wanted to share with you this, this morning. Oh, sorry. First of all, God is working things out for you, even if you don't feel it. Have faith and be thankful, because where faith and hope grows, miracles blossom. Miracles blossom. They come out of this, believing that God can do the impossible. So when I went to Myanmar, I had so many people say to me, That's crazy, that's never gonna work, you don't know the language, what it, but God spoke to me and said, This is your nation. And so we build a team. This is actually only half our team now. We've we've doubled that. We've we have about 50, 60 full-time people and then probably a couple of hundred part-time people. And they go into villages and do development work, but through the development work, we bring the gospel. Then I said to the Lord, three things about Myanmar I wanted to do. I said, Lord, if this is real, if this is going to work, there's three things. I don't want to be going up now. I want you to be very clear. I'm not, what I have to say, I'm not critical of any other mission group or anything, but my vision was to infiltrate infiltrate the strongholds of the nation. And so I said, Lord, I want to meet. The number one person there was Dor Ansu T. So here she is with Nisat. Now, some of you have been to Full Moon Orphanage. Some of you, no? You've been to Full Moon? Okay, Dor Sue has endorsed that children's home and said, this is the model for me, Emma. And I saw right there, I said, God, that's the first one. And now we have met in a totally different capacity. We have a relationship with Dorsu and the NLD and her right-hand, very close advisor, we are working with on peace in the Rakhine State, the peace process. The second thing I wanted, I said, this army, this army is evil. The Burmese army... Are evil, still are today. I said, Lord, I want you to get me in there. People said that would never happen. Here I am with the recruits. These young boys, they're children. And they got me in. I've been back two or three times now. Because I have a connection within the Burmese army. And you can see their children, but there, that's that's my church. When I go to Myanmar, people say, Where do you go? Well, that's my church. I'm gonna share a little bit more about that, the church outside the church. So that was the second one. Then the third one is I want to get into the monastic schools. Lord, get us in to the monastic school. And then we started a a sustainable development program which was partly funded by this church and it was soy milk. And the soy milk went into all the different Villages and so on, and it's, and it's now a cooperative and it's doing really well. We don't have anything to do with it, we handed it over to a group of young six young men, four of whom were orphan boys, and they now run it. And so we can get in there now and we can do studies. They can do Bible studies in a monastic school, the largest monastic school in Myanmar. And I'm bringing you into this space this morning to encourage you and build your faith that God will do whatever He needs to do. But He needs you, and He needs me. We can change a nation. One month ago, I sat with Julie Bishop when she was still the minister. Sat with her, and we talked for supposed to be 15 minutes. It went for 40 minutes. And we talked about the Rohingya situation. We talked about my faith. We talked about where she came from. She came from Lobethal in South Australia. And I've built a relationship with her, and it's still an open communication. Why? Because God will take you, the favour of God will take you to places that you never ever thought possible. Why? Because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. What about the money that you've invested in Hills? What's happened to that? I can now say many years later, I want to tell you about this lovely lady. Her name is um, May Rita and she has a sister called Mabel. May Rita, she is doing what she's doing today solely because of the funds that came out of of this church to an orphanage called Care for the Least. She runs an organisation called Fedwell and it's a a food food item that we mix up, make into soup and take it to poor villages. And she's now got 10 people working for her in her area of production. And she was out, we're actually going to Sakey Island there. Um, the man in the background with the glasses, he is our country director. He's another miracle. Dr. Peter Thien was a Buddhist monk, got radically converted to Christianity. And now he travels the world talking about Christianity and making it relevant in our communities. He was a Buddhist monk. May Rita is where she is because of you folk. Amen. Is David Smythe here today? He? Oh, there he is. One of David's, he can tell you about Mabel and May reader. Amen. Is this exciting? Can you see how God moves? And God will do what God needs to do if we're there. This little boy is called Charlie. This is only in the last year. Again, this was some of your funds, but this is not Sake Island. He was left for dead, left lying there on the side of the uh, on the pathway. And someone rescued him. They brought him to us and said, Can we save this boy? Well, there he is. He was nearly dead as a two, three-month-old baby, and now he's, he's up and going. Funds from Hills has saved his life. Can you see your reach? So you're not... Let me put it in this context. Begin to think of, of being a global Christian, not a Christian that's just here in Blackpool, but your influence... Is going in all different places and it's actually saving lives. And when we get to heaven and we see Mary and we see Charlie and we see this girl, Swayzin, was taken as a sex slave when she was five years old. And her body now, is she's got cut marks in her body, she's got burn marks on her body. When she first came to this children's home, which was full moon children's home, I was there the day that she came, and as soon as she saw a male, she would run and curl up under a tree in a fetal position. Now I get a hug. She calls me Poppy. She's now free. Why? Because of people like you. People like you have said, I'm going to invest in this ministry. See, what you invest in, what you, let me put it to you this way. What you identify with is what you will become involved with, is what you will invest in, which will give you increase. So what you invest in, how do you invest? Three ways, time, talent, and treasury. Time, time, talent that you give, and treasury is your funding. What you identify with is what you become involved with. When my little fella, when Eden was speaking in a church in New South Wales recently, just like he did today, and this dear lady came to me after and she said to me, Pastor, she said, I want to invest in the ministry. And I thought, oh, this is good. She's going to give me money. And she said, I said, oh, thank you very much. She said, oh, not for you, for Eden. She said, I want to sow the first seed in the ministry for his life. And she gave me $10. She said, I'm very poor. This is all I have. See, what you identify with is what you become involved with is what you invest in is what gives you increase. Amen. Amen. We've moved now, so her name is Swayzin, and I didn't know too well after Swayzin means pure gold. That's her name. We're doing a lot of work now in the Rakhine state with refugees that have come across or they're they're refugees that that's where the fires are, where they burn down their houses and so on. That's uh, in Burma and they're coming across to Bangladesh. So we've now got 24 people working in that region with the ones that have not come across that are in refugee camps or are hiding in, in various villages and remote places. And so they come across like this with absolutely nothing. Totally devastated. Now, a refugee... Oh, I think that's time. It's 10.59. You sure? Okay. I'll go quick. So this is what we're faced with. This just thousands and thousands of people. This lady came like this, and that little baby she gave to her was already dead. And many died like that. They bring children that are already dead and dying, and they struggle with, do I give money, the money that I have, do I use it for food or do I use it for medicine to save my child? So between August this year and November this year, in the refugee camp at Cox's Bazaar, which is what is featured on television a lot, there will be over 40,000 babies that will die for lack of medical care. So we have been blessed, because, of, and that is one of the refugee camps that we go into. Amen, that's where we go into. So when you support us, that's where we're going. All right, you need to get up. Amen, continue. It's. Is it okay? We Have a break.
1: Just as I was thinking about hopping up here for this in the middle of um, what Peter was talking about, I was just reminded that the Bible says even though we grieve, we don't grieve like those without hope. So even though right now we're going to remember and and just pause for a minute, um, I'm just encouraged as well that we don't grieve, that we remember and we still have hope for life beyond. Um, so I don't want to take too long because Peter, you were just warming up there. I think what I'll do, uh, I'm going to read out the Ode of Remembrance, and you know the last line, we will remember them. You might like to just repeat that back to me. We'll have a minutes of, of silence and I'll just finish with a prayer. So um, yeah, just joining in with others around Australia and in other countries as well on this 11th day of November. Father, this morning we just take a moment to join with others around Australia who are remembering those that have been involved in conflicts in the past and in the present. And Lord, we do just want to honour the sacrifice that many people have made for our country. We just take a moment to think of them and to honour them, to remember them. And Lord, we thank you that we have you, Lord, that you are our hope. And so, Lord, as we take this moment, we pray that, Lord, you would continue to to work in our lives and move in our hearts. And uh, we just thank you for all your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, thank you for joining with us just for that moment. And sorry, Peter, to interrupt, but you can continue on.
0: Amen. We're here because of them. Amen. So. Uh, just picking up from where we were in the refugee camp. Um, and so in uh, two, day, two weeks' time, I'll be there with our team. Uh, and it's not a nice place to be, but we are the only Christian group that go into this camp. Now, this is on the Burmese side. This is in what's called the Rakhine State. Um, and people have lived in that camp for generations, for generations now. Uh, and so we have access in there. And we have a signed letter from the Minister for Interior and Security, of uh, Security Borders, uh, from me. I'm signed by him. Piece of paper. We can just go. Amen. A miracle. We leaving for miracles today, folks. Come on. Are we believe. We need miracles in Australia, right now. We need miracles in Australia. As I travel overseas, we are a joke. People think that we're a joke. Because under a military regime, at least you have consistency of prime ministers and parliaments. And so they look at us and they go, well, well, that's just bizarre. So we need statesmen and stateswomen in the kingdom of God that are not caught up in politics and church politics and whatever. We need people to stand up and say, God is sovereign and he's over all. Amen? So in this camp, in this particular camp, uh, we are now have access. So, and this was another divine miracle. We, have, we bought in the first portable sonography machine ever to go in Myanmar. And $1,000 of that oh, towards that came from this church. We took it out of the last lot of funding we had. Now, here, watch, watch this carefully. The first outreach that... Alison Swinkles, by the way, is from Clovercrest Church here in Adelaide, lives full-time now in Myanmar, and she's the only qualified sonographer in the country, and she's training other students and so on. But Alison runs it. So we've got the first sonography machine. On the first outreach, they saved 12 babies from breeches and placenta privia, which you ladies would know what all that's about, because without x-ray, they They can't tell which way the baby's lying. So this is life and death stuff. And then out of this, and we don't have time for it now, I tell you then how we bring the gospel through this. Amen? We actually do a devotion with them about the image of Christ because they see the image of the baby. Then we talk about the image of Christ. Amen? Really exciting stuff. I want you to get encouraged today about your situation in life. You don't have to go to Myanmar. Oh, no, 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 no. God works miracles. I've got to tell you another little miracle. Our little boy, who we have now, our permanent care, we're what's called kinship carers. Amen? And so we went through this very, very big process. I had a phone call probably about two months ago from this lady, and she said to me, uh, I am from the Foster Carers Association of Australia and I'm working the minister's office. She said your name has been put forward because of what you went through with your little boy, and we want you to be present a paper at the national fosters um, conference, foster and kinship carers conference on the Gold Coast in a few weeks. So they did. I, I they flew me up there and got treated really nicely. But what I saw, folks, I've got to say this to you. I spent a lot of time, there's over 800 there, and there's now nearly half a million kinship carers, foster carers in Australia. And the process to go through that is just horrific in some cases, just terrible. But the stories that I heard, the stories that I heard were just beyond belief of what People go through and the devastation in families, what kids go through. And I just sat and I listened to stories upon stories, and it was just, I came away just blown apart by it all. I thought, how, so my question was God, where are you in this? And the same sense I have when I go into these places I had when I left that conference on the Gold Coast and all the five-star hotel and all the rest of it. The same thing I had. And you know what the Lord said to me? I said this, Lord, what are you going to do? Tell me, what are you going to do with those refugees, with those babies? What are you going to do? That was my prayer. And this is what I got back. I was going to ask you the same thing. (laughs) What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Amen. What are we going to do? It's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought. So I put this back up again. God is working things out. He is working things out for you. Even if you don't feel it. Even if you don't feel it, have faith and be thankful. Where faith and hope grows, miracles blossom. You can turn that off now. Amen. I wanted to share with you now, see, just move forward on that. One of my messages is called My Emmaus Road. The road to Emmaus in Luke 24. It's a wonderful story. It's a story about hope. So we say in these situations, where is hope? God, you know, I've got to have something to hold on to. And the Bible is full of hope. Because in Ephesians, it says that that no Christian should have a hopeless day. Did you know that? We are not without hope. Paul said, only those that do not know me are without hope. So if you know Christ, you have hope. You have hope. Job 5.9 says this, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Miracles that cannot be counted. Not little circumstances change. Miracles that say, This is God. And anyone that's looking at that will say, This is God. There is no doubt. Whether it's your family that's being turned around or husband or wife, or marriage, whatever it is, God is sovereign in all of this. So on this story, my Emmaus Road, we are all on an Emmaus Road. And this is a, a, a story that uh, is quite famous, but it was after, really after Easter. And uh, these two guys heard about Jesus not being in the tomb anymore, right? They were in Jerusalem, and they were troubled because their hope was pinned on Jesus. Is your hope pinned on Jesus? But they couldn't find him. So they went off to walk down to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. We are all on the road to Emmaus. There's two parts to this that I want to show you this morning. The Emmaus journey. The Emmaus journey is the journey where Jesus meets you. The second part on the, on the Emmaus journey is when you become Jesus to someone else. So people say, "Well, you know, how do I? How does church fit? What, what? How do I bring people to church?" There's some people that probably never come into church. We want them to come to church, but they may not. So we become. Jesus to them. So you ask me, what is my church in Myanmar? My church in Myanmar is the refugee camp. It's the army boys. One of my best friends became the chaplain of Melbourne Football Club, Cameron Butler. And he he always says, you know, on Sunday morning I go to church. I go to this church, and we were in the same church for a while. He said, but my church is the Melbourne Football Club. He said, I've walked through, you know, the death of Dean Bailey, the coach, walked through Troy Broadbridge's death. He was a Melbourne footballer killed in the tsunami in Thailand. Walked through all of these tragedies. He said, I went in their homes and I prayed for them. And he said, they're my church. Some have come to the Lord. One of my other friends was a senior pastor of a CRC church in Victoria. And he's just become the chaplain of the Victorian police force. Incredibly powerful position. And he used to say the same thing. So where's your church outside this church? Let me expand that. As they walked down the road, and their hearts were breaking. They were troubled. And you can read the scripture. It's Luke 24, 13 to 35. And don't have time to go through it all. But it says they were downcast. They were in sorrow because they couldn't find Jesus. One of my messages that I do is, What do you do when heaven is silent? Have you ever been in that position? And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and heaven is silent. And that's what was happening here with these two people. Heaven is, maybe heaven is silent for you right now. You've been praying and you want answers and you just can't get them. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Simple little story. When you take an exam at school and the room is locked and you're there with your desk, sitting at your desk, and you've got your exam paper and it's silent and you're really struggling and you say, well, I'm on my own now, but wait. The teacher is in the room. The teacher's actually in the exam room. And that is exactly as we are with Jesus. Whatever you're going through today, he's actually there. Because as they walked down the road to Emmaus, Jesus come alongside them and he saw they were downcast and he saw they were sad and struggling. And he said to them, he said, what are you doing? And they said, oh, have you heard about this man Jesus and we were talking about all of these things. And he then said to them, what things? What things are you talking about? And he opened them up and he began to hear their story. He didn't preach to them. He walked with them in their situation, in their sorrow and in their grief. He walked alongside them. There's somebody in your workplace. Maybe your workplace is your church and you've never seen it like that. So before you go to work each day, Pray, Lord, how can I be Jesus in this place? How can I be Jesus in this place? When I go to places, that's what I pray. When I go to parliament and we meet people, I always pray, Lord, let them see Jesus today. Don't preach anything. Don't say anything. And you know, I've ministered to ambassadors, some of my really good friends, and they are very, very lonely people, very lonely people. In fact, the first ambassador I met works for us now, and he's had some personal problems recently, and he calls me, calls me up. He's not a Christian, but he calls me. That's who you are, folks. Every one of you here are representing Jesus in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, wherever it might be. And God will bring circumstances across your path. So as they walk with Jesus, and he began to open them up, it says their eyes were open. And then he did further than that. He said, they invited him to the house. And he said, yeah, I'll come to your house. Can you see the doors that are opening? Then he broke bread with them. Then he left. There's three things about Jesus' ministry. Three important things that we need to understand. This is the basis for everything that we do. It's really, really simple. I call it the foundation of Jesus' ministry and the foundation for our ministry. Love, birth, birth. The ministry. Everything that you do must come out of love. In fact, the first thing that Jesus said before he said, "Go and preach to all the world," he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." And I often challenge people on the mission field: "Let's get everyone saved." Hey, these people don't even know you. You're coming into these situations in in, in like the refugee camp, and they're full of grief and all this stuff. Man, you need to let them. You need to let them feel that you actually love them. So our projects in these difficult areas are three to five years. Three to five years, not three to five days, years. And we saw our life, those orphanages, those girls that you saw with Eden in the photo, they were babies and our commitment then was 15 years to every children's home, because that's a generation that we want to see them come through. So this is not an easy road. The Emmaus road's not an easy road, but it's the road that Christ walked. So the first thing is that love birthed the ministry. And you know that verse, famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, and the second thing about Jesus' ministry is that compassion motivated the ministry. Compassion. Now, compassion is very different to sympathy. A lot of Christians have sympathy. Oh, I feel really sorry. You know, this is, and that's fine. But compassion does something else. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved means he wanted to do something about it. That's why when you go to the newsagent shop, you never find cards that says, with compassion. When someone dies, it's with sympathy. And that's fine. It's acknowledging and it's blessing people. But you don't find compassion. So compassion says, I am going to do something about it. I am going to do something about it. And I am driven every single day of my life, when I think of those people that we minister with. And as I speak, folks, 21 children are dying per minute now for preventable diseases around the world. 15 minutes, 315 babies have died. These are babies, died, and up to two years old. We could change that. We could change that. We have the capacity to change that. You have the capacity today to change the life of your neighbour, of someone in your workplace. What is it that drives you? What is it that drives you? So compassion, and it says, Mark 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And they were like a sheep without a shepherd. They were like a sheep without a shepherd. And I can tell you this from first-hand experience. Many of our federal politicians are like a sheep without a shepherd. And they're trying to run this country. Our state politicians in Victoria, whom I know, Many of them are like sheep without a shepherd. Are we shepherds? Are we shepherds to our neighbour, to our workplace? Take that, just think that through, the influence that you can have. Finally, relationship sustained the ministry. I and the Father are one. I and the Father a relationship. It's relationship. When I went first went to Myanmar, a very good friend, many of you know Pastor Barry Silverback. He came with me, one of my early trips, and he said, son, we're going to walk the streets of Yangon. I'm thinking, why are we going to walk And we're going to pray. I will never forget this. And he said, pray like Jesus did that he would send people that will stand with you. So we did. And I can tell you the people, the first group of people that I met are still with us today. A relationship sustains the ministry. So love, birth, the ministry, compassion, motivated the ministry, relationships, sustain the ministry, and those three things are in our hands this morning. Those three things that form the basis of the ministry of Christ are in your hands and my hands right now, and we can go and do this tomorrow, today. Because God's going to bring somebody. He already has. We don't know. It was like the, the, these two guys on the road. Their eyes, they got open. Oh, I see Jesus. Now it's interesting because, you know, I mean, the other thing about this is that there were many in that day and age that never recognized Jesus either. And yet they were there when he was crucified and he rose again and so on. They were there, and many, many never recognized him. It's no different today. But the chains for people came when Jesus walked down the Emmaus Road. The change for people, for you, even in your families, is going to happen when you take them on the journey or meet them on their Emmaus Road because the Emmaus Road is a journey of faith and it just so happens that we're just a little bit further down that road than some people that don't really know him yet. But they're all on the journey. I have Muslim friends, Buddhist friends that you know, I believe God's got his hand upon them. And can I just tell you another miracle around that? We are the only group in the world that have brought Buddhists, Christians, and Muslims together to work in communities. And last year, Kofi Annan interviewed our team in Sitway in the Rakhine and he said this. He said this is one of the best models of community harmony that I have ever seen. Stay connected with us. And you know, he's passed away, but we're connected with the Kofi Annan Foundation. The power of Christ. I just want, my prayer this morning is that you get connected to this vision, that the power of Christ is right here. We don't have to go anywhere, we don't have to do anything, but love people for who and what they are. Just love them because that's all that you need to do is love people. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. As we walk out this morning, take that verse of Scripture. Miracles, wonders are here. I've shared with you some of them. I've shared with you the miracle of Hills Christian Family Center, your investment into me. And my, you know, there's people, just think of it like this. Listen carefully. There's people that are alive now, walking with Christ, influencing a nation because of your investment. Take that investment now to your neighbours, to your family, and let God be exalted. Let God be exalted because he is sovereign. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're facing, don't give up. Don't quit. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Bless you. Thank you. I'd like to invite the worship team up. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Yes. Um, Thank you very much for the encouragement, for seeing what's happening in different parts of the world, but for making it really relevant to us here as well. And so I was really encouraged and blessed by that. Just ask the worship team to lead us in worship now, and after that, um, the Prayer ministry team and Pastor Peter are happy to stay down the front and pray with anyone for anything uh, that you'd like. So I'll hand over to Sam. Thanks.